TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 585, and I'm Olivia, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Six Degrees of Geek. This is Tom, and I'm the incoming chair of the Department of Visual and Media Arts at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida, and I also host the Screen Tom podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast calling in from Los Angeles. All right, Tom, what you got? A little bit of news. AMC announced... The Walking Dead spinoffs, Dead City and Daryl Dixon, have both been picked up for season two. And the Rishon limited series, that's Rick plus, plus Michonne, for those of you not in the loop, is subtitled The Ones Who Lived. Lame. But we love the actors. That's not a lame title if you know their story. That's exactly what they say to each other every time. Yeah, but still for a TV show, The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Lived. Anywho, uh, CBS somehow is going to air Yellowstone this fall. I think this, uh, I think their standards and <laughs> practices department will be in overdrive because there's lots of stuff on that that is not suitable for network television. Uh, big news from Disney Plus, Donald Glover and his brother Steven are going to write the Lando limited series. Justin Sin. Believe it when I see it. Star Wars, they keep announcing stuff and then not doing any of the stuff. Justin Simeon is no longer attached to direct. Their TV stuff they've been pretty good with. It's their movies that have been a hot mess where they announce something that doesn't happen. Hulu canceled Up Here, the musical series with Mae Whitman and Carlos Valdez after just one season. Netflix announced the Masters of the Universe movie is dead after more than $30 million in development. Ouch. Mattel is going to shop for a new buyer. Considering this, the phenomenal success of Barbie, I don't think they'll have a problem finding one. And finally, Peacock has raised prices for the first time. Uh, Premium, which has ads, is now going to be $5.99, up a dollar. And Premium Plus is now going to be is now $11.99, up two bucks. At the end of the first quarter, they had 20, 22 million subscribers. However, that was before they kicked us Xfinity customers off for, from getting free premium and i didn't renew because there's not that much stuff i like on peacock so yes same hey. here as soon as they sent me an, a notice saying that they're going to be charging me more for what is essentially two programs i watch um <laughs> yeah nope. I was, it's like nah bye hard pass and that's all the news it'll be interesting to see what their numbers are uh once this dust settles mm-hmm. yep. all right so let's start off with the shows first up we're going to talk the bear and uh, we're on episode five and six, though I think the less said about episode five, the better. Let's just go through that really, really fast. Uh, Carmi bails on all his duties at the restaurant, even though they only have like a couple of weeks before they're supposed to open. And he goes with his soon-to-be wannabe girlfriend to a bunch of parties in upstate. So I forgot where they went. Uh, but... It was the most boring episode of The Bear I've ever seen, mainly because they weren't in the kitchen at all. They were just like at a house party with a bunch of drunk people. And 
half of them remembered him and half of them didn't. And then the party gets shut down by the police because they think they fired off fireworks or something. And I don't know. It was just, it did not feel like an episode of the bear. And I am not buying Carmi's relationship with Claire bear. Any other thoughts before we move on to the actual good episode? Nope. (laughs) I didn't hate it as much as you did, but yeah, I don't like her very much. I think what I mostly got out of it is that, uh, you know, I, I feel like, they, they keep insisting that Claire is, you know, just fantastic for him and they're great together. And I'm not getting that at all. I, I, I don't particularly care for her. Um, and I'm, and, and, you know, there's part of me that's wondering if we're being shown her just specifically so we can kind of reject her later. Like she's not the one. For um, so fingers yeah, crossed. It was, it was not a great episode for me either. I didn't despise it, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a big Claire fan at this point. She's cute, but that's not enough. Yeah. Well, I I think she's a little trite. Her character comes off as that like indie movie heroine. I mean, I harped on that a few episodes ago, uh, but in a positive way. That the that the one of the episodes really kind of reminded me of of uh, one of the episodes. An indie film. Yeah, of an indie film. And uh, so, in again, in that same way, she kind of reminded me of an indie heroine uh, that I didn't... But in this case, it was kind of a, a negative connotation because, you know, she was just sort of cutesy and trite and quirky. Um, but, I mean, I like the actress. I, I feel like um, I didn't hate it as much as you guys, and maybe I liked it even a little bit more than Allison. I know you don't want to spend a lot of time on an episode that you didn't like, but I didn't, I, so I'll move on to the other aspect of it. Uh, yes, we, we already know that, um, that cousin is, is not, uh, is not helpful and he's starting to realize that, but I actually liked the, the stuff about the, the, it, they were still dealing with how hard it is to open a restaurant with the plumber and the electrician and the this and then the the you know the kind of position that the uncle has and all that stuff and then I loved I thought it was really funny the, the way that the sister manipulated the uncle um, you know and she like had this whole thing like they're developing her character so the episode for me wasn't just a waste on Claire but we got to see the sister doing the sister thing. Uh, there was still, you know, the kind of conflict and the the issues that with the re- the restaurant. I don't, I didn't hate the episode. I thought it was just one more layer. It didn't, you know. And then the episode also dealt with. I think it wasn't that the episode. Yes, of course it was the episode. It dealt with um, the 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 cook. Uh, I forgot her name, but you know, her at the older gentleman. He he disappeared from cooking class. So clearly he's having a you know some sort of crisis probably self-conscious, you know, about his, his, um, his performance or whatever. We learned about her, you know, kind of, uh, expanding and making friends possibly. And then I thought it was a very sweet moment, her singing that song and, uh, Mm -hmm. very true to the show. You could tell she had a beautiful voice, but it wasn't like Hollywood eyes, like, Oh, look at her killing it at, at, um, karaoke. The recording was still very raw of her singing, you know, and so it was very realistic. Um, and the way that she sang it, it we, that kind of trepidation, but a little bit of like self uh, like um, self confidence growing. Thought it was a beautiful kind of parallel to her coming into her own as her in her chefness. You know what I mean? 
um, the scene where he gives her the Carmi uh, gives her his knife. You know what I mean? All of it. I thought that all of that stuff was really beautiful and and um, nuanced. So I think we're all obsessing over the indie girlfriend. You know, the indie movie girlfriend. She took up and, over half the time of the that's episode. Fine, but I'm I'm not, I'm still saying that there was a lot a lot of value to the episode. That's why. That's all uh, I meant yeah. by I didn't see the episode as much as you guys because I I was focused on I was. I just dismissed her well and easily enough and was like, okay, fine. You know, I mean, you know, it gives Carmi some, you know, we're giving him some sort of a life outside of, of the restaurant. I didn't love it. The choices weren't great, but uh, I'm talking about narratively, but as far as everything else in the episode, I thought that, I thought the choices were actually great. And, and well, let's, was... let's move on. Let's move on to the actual good episode. <laughs> It was a terrible episode. Okay, then let me let me finish by let me finish by let me be your bridge and then I'll and then I'll I'll back out of the room. Um I I I didn't love the second episode as much as it sounds like you guys probably all did. The second episode I thought was something I have seen many times in dysfunctional Hollywood, both drama and dramedy and comedy movies, like the hot, the holiday party that has gone, you know, you know, 90 miles off uh, the rails. Uh, I've seen it all before. So, I mean, it was well acted. It was tense. It was filled with stunt casting. So, I mean, yeah, it was it, sure. It was a good episode. No one's saying it's not. I thought, um, uh, uh, gosh, who was our lead? Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, she showed us why she won an Oscar. I mean, it was that. And is probably going to get an Emmy nomination and yeah, win next year. It was that caliber, you know, of acting, and it was that caliber of writing. I mean, they asked a lot of her. She delivered. She gave us a lot. So that's all wonderful. But as far as the whole like setup and scene and stuff, I've seen it before. So it was really well done. No one's arguing that it wasn't really well done. But I'll let other uh, you other guys uh, say stuff. It didn't give me anything that anything new in terms of what I was watching. And it didn't give me anything that new in terms of what I thought their family setup was like. I think we all guessed that they came from a family that was that dysfunctional. So it didn't give me any new information on the characters either. I loved, I loved episode six, which is entitled fishes. And for the record, it clocks in at 65 minutes. Um, I almost paused a couple of times because it was a bit much, uh, you know, my family, has a certain level of dysfunction, but nothing like this family. And I thought it was necessary because it shows why these characters are so messed up, especially Carmi, Richie, and Suge, Sugar. And uh, I really like that actor, by the way. Um, she's, I think, one of the unsung heroes of the show because the guys especially get a lot of attention and storylines, but she's done solid background work. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Bob Odenkirk, as you've never seen him the before, fork, annoying as crack. The fork <laughs> cracked right. me up. He was great. And then, um, oh, uh, I was like, who's playing the cousin? Who's playing the cousin? And it's, um, um, oh, the dude, stand-up dude. Somebody help me. Uh, me Bob Delaney, I think. Something no. like that. No, um, the stand-up guy who's, who's uh, baby daddy for... John Mulaney? What? John, John Mulaney. Mulaney. I was close. It rhymed. I almost <laughs> didn't recognize him because he looked so different. And then, of course, uh, we had um, 
from Jillian uh, Jillian Jacobs. From yeah, Community. from Community. And Sarah and, Paulson. Don't forget Sarah Paulson. Yeah, Sarah, and Paul. Sarah Paulson. So it was an all-star cast. Yeah. All-star cast for this ridiculously dysfunctional family. And I want to send a virtual hug to the writers of this episode and anybody else in the writing staff who needs it because, man, you know, every family has its own level of dysfunction, but somebody on that staff had that kind of holiday. And I, my thoughts are and prayers are with them that they have a good therapist. <laughs> and a good and a good mechanic and a good auto body shop. Uh, Allison, your thoughts? I think a lot of people on that staff had a holiday like that. Um, uh, you know, it was just sort of a compilation of all the traumas. I mean, I, I, I agree with, with Houston when she says that we've seen this before, but you know, I, we, I think a lot of us have also lived this before. I mean, this, I just had these, these flashbacks of Thanksgivings and Christmases past, uh, with my, my own clan. Fortunately, nobody actually drove a fork into a cannoli or drove a car into the front window we've almost our family's almost come to fisticuffs like literally restraining people just like that that's happened yeah. but no, the cars record, through, no cars through the house well-behaved asian family has never ever come close <laughs> to anything like this for the yeah. record mom so you know i mean maybe that's maybe that's why you're not relating to this quite so much but i i i just i i mean i i would say that my my family uh holidays were not as well cast as this one was <laughs> um, other than that i i was really relating to a lot of what was going on just the sheer insanity of it all and and the way that the the various family members traumatize each other that they sort of pick on each other and and target each other and craziness goes on and there's the peacemakers who try to make it better and the people who try to just zone it all out and, and do their own thing. And, and all of that was going on. So I, I thought it was kind of brilliant. And while I do agree that I think all of us were assuming, yes, Carmi comes from a dysfunctional family. I think that knowing exactly where, what the dysfunction is, who was doing what and what their personalities were. And particularly, you know, Mikey, the last time we saw him, you know, he, I mean, here's a guy who, who ended up committing suicide, but the last time we saw him, the only flashback we had prior, he seemed to be like the most well-adjusted guy and, and doing really well. And now we're getting closer to when he actually killed himself and we're seeing what went into that. We're seeing the, the pressure and the neurosis and the, the inability to cope and the, the anger that's seething underneath and the self-loathing that's that's just under the surface and and all of that is starting to come out in this episode so it's making what he did later much more understandable um it's making a lot of things and and the dynamics within this family more understandable uh so i i thought it was a brilliant episode i thought it was incredibly active uh and and i just for me even though it was twice as long as the usual ex episode it flew by I mean, even though it's a lot, it's like a trauma watching it. I was about to say, it did not fly by for me because I did get to about 30 minutes and be like, what the heck? Why is this episode not over? But I will actually say from an editing standpoint, the editing was phenomenal yes. in this episode. Just from, I was with, standing, sitting there with my mouth hanging open, just thinking about all the ways that this editor had to cut this scene. Cutting a dinner scene is hard. Cutting... A dinner scene that's an hour 
is insanity. Like, I was just watching this going, oh, my God. And especially in some of the times where they were all arguing, like when they went to Carmi and were like, oh, we ran into Care Bear. And he's like, why would you do that? Why would you set? are you messing with me? Like, all of them were top of, talking on top of each other. And to maintain that is that rhythm is really, really hard. And I was like, oh, man, this is fantastic. So I was more moved by those kind of things and also, you know, by the tension as it ramps up and, and man, the scene with the fork is what really got me. He's like, throw mm-hmm. that fork one more time, one more time. And I was like, yes. I was like, no, don't. Cause it feels like I that's felt a... like it was a gun battle. I thought it was yeah. like a showdown. Yeah. It was so tense. It was yeah, so. Because it's like, you know, that if he does it and they actually come to fist, it's the end. Like this relationship is like kind of done. You ruin this whole meal for your mom. Like it, it's like you, a place you can't come back from. And everybody knew it. And that's what amped the tension up. And I thought that was fantastic. So we need to move on. We have been on this episode for 20 minutes. But uh, what'd you say, Allison? I said, of course, driving your car through the front window kind of ends things rather abruptly. Too. Well, yes, that, that um, ends it as well. Yeah. Uh, but, but we've been on uh, this episode for 20 minutes, so we need to move on. And now we have to be very much shorter for every other show that we're going to talk about. So let's go, let's go. Next up, we're going to talk about Hijack, which I didn't watch because you guys all said it sucked. So so quickly, let's talk about episodes five and six and how much it sucked. Go. Come on. Somebody speak. Every time that I hate the subplot with with the son at the apartment, it's like 24. I was having 24 trauma. Oh, right. The kid all by themselves waiting to be kidnapped. The airplane stuff. It's just like, it's like these people have never seen a good hijacking movie or TV show before. And my gosh, if this doesn't end with episode seven, I am so out for season two. Incompetently written. There's no tension and way too much time off the plane, which is like, you might as well, you might as well, you know, do your nails or, you know. All right. You hate it. Great. Let's move on to the next person. All right. Houston, go. Idris on the plane is the only reason to watch. Uh, the plot and the plot is, you know, is hackneyed. Um, and the the actual writing is very, very, very uneven. There are things that I like about it, but, uh, but you brought something up, um, Libya, which I thought was interesting, is that um, – uh, off off podcast you mentioned how you weren't super like a super fan of Idris uh, uh, on the of the sh- uh, on the show and I have to kind of agree they it's weird the way they've written him because they're trying to make him kind of I don't know fallible or human or not like they're making super- him it feels like they're making him a coward yeah so whatever they're you know they're they're he's flawed you know and sort of you know not in the this isn't a liam neeson taken movie where he's sort of you know all powerful and all seeing and all doing and kind of makes everything happen because he's got a perfect set of skills i mean we've been told that he's got like a set of skills but i'm not sure what those are what are what are those skills are they physical are they talky are they intellectual i mean there was a little bit of the jedi they said he's a great negotiator but i'm not seeing it yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of the Jedi mind tricking stuff going on in the beginning, and I, that got me excited. But the script is unbelievably uneven. However, I think Allison mentioned that she was unimpressed with the twist. Um, but I mean, I'm just trying to find positive things about it. So, like, I, it's watchable to me, but I, because I didn't see 24, so I don't know what you guys are talking about about the got the sun on the ground, you know, being. Um, 
uh, held hostage or, or whatever. But I, so I never saw 24. So I'm finding that actually more compelling than what's happening on the plane right now for me, because I'm like, oh, okay. The, Cause I, I can, I don't know why, but I can see myself in his position, <laughs> meaning like I can relate. Like, I don't want to relate to being stuck on a plane, uh, you know, in a hijack situation. So I'm more kind of watching what's going to happen with the teenage son. But as far as the show is concerned, the very, the last episode that we saw, the penultimate episode, um, uh, where some rando lady gets a gun and, and just kills the pilot, like blasts his head off. So now I'm like, wait, what? So, I mean, they did their job. They got me to care about the last episode, which as uh, Tom said, if it is, if they do not wrap it up and they do not tell me like what, like we knew who, we know who the hijackers are and why they hijacked the plane and all of that by now. Oh, and that has to be said too. That like pass off where they um, switch off, uh, you know, under the cover of the trees, you know, uh, you know, and switch out of there. That is like the lamest most trite hackneyed we've seen this done 95 million times um so that when once that happened i thought oh man i'm done this show but then the very end they give me a twist and now i just need to know like who the lady is who killed the pilot and and how they wrap this up and i'm with tom if they don't finish this out like and i will be unbelievably mad but also definitely not hanging around for season two to find out any more information allison quick yeah, I you know the, the 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 whole thing with the sun actually every time it goes to that I just I literally was saying to the screen why are we watching this why are we being forced to watch this because the kid is boring and the whole idea that they would expend resources just to go after the families of people who are on the plane when all of this is supposed to take place in the space of seven hours is just preposterous. It, it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. First of all, if they're looking for the son, why would they even go to his apartment? It's like, the, the, that's not where the son lives. Why would he even be there? Um, he's not supposed to be there. It doesn't, it, right. none of it makes any rational sense. I don't think they knew. So, well, they did. They know supposedly where the son lives and he lives with his mother. He doesn't live with his dad. So why are they in the dad's apartment? So oh, they know that he lived. They know that the yeah. son lives. Yes, they know yeah. supposedly yeah. about everything. But, but, but let's let's wrap this is, up. Is that it? Just it just makes absolutely no logical sense whatsoever. Um, and then you know we get into the 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 next episode where they they actually set these guys free, the ones who are the masterminds. Oh, and, and I mean, who does that? Who actually would do that? And terrible. then having done that. They're they're then going to tail them by being like, oh, 30 feet behind them and hoping they don't look in their rearview mirror. In, in open land. In open I mean, land. Guys, open we gotta land. wrap this one up. There. We're wrapping it up. Come on. And then the whole, like you said, the whole thing with the with the handoff with the car. It's like I knew it was happening. Especially they even go to the the, the links of saying, Wow, they're stopped for a really long time. What are they doing? It was crazy how bad that was. Cars, you idiot. So, um, yeah. in in conclusion, yeah, in conclusion, I just didn't. And the 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 twist at the end. I, I know Yusin said she wanted to to see something good in it. I was genuinely surprised by that. They actually managed to do something that surprised me. The trouble yeah. is, if you think about it for more than about five seconds, it stops making any sense. <laughs> and and you know it's it's like well that's great if I could completely turn my brain off, but other than that no. Um, so yeah, I am not impressed with this show. I think it's just frustratingly dumb. And as you pointed out, they make 
uh, Idris look like an idiot in this show. They make him look weak and incompetent and kind of smarmy too. And he's, you know, it's like, I guess they're trying to make him not seem like a superhero, but either you go for the superhero thing or, or you don't do this kind of show because otherwise you've got a a character who just comes off like a loser and that's what he is right now. All right, let's move on. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about a show that you guys like just as much uh, called Secret Invasion. And uh, I know Tom hates it with the power of a fiery sun. I did not hate it that much. However, I will I will say this: I like the actual end of the episode because I did like the relationship between Sam Jackson and his wife slash ex wife slash people trying to kill each other. Um, I liked how their relationship evolved over the show. That's the one thing I will say they actually did right. Um, Amelia Clark having all these crazy powers at the end and doing the switcheroo where you think it's Sam Jackson having a conversation with the bad guy, but it's really her. And then they get the powers together and they have this big CGI fight at the end was very standard Marvel and not that interesting. Um, I did like the bad guy's big monologue when he's monologuing to Sam Jackson. I thought that was a good actor performance. But then when you find out it's not him, that it feels like, why did we even do this? Um, so yes, the finale had problems a lot, but I, I will say my big takeaway is I like Sam Jackson's relationship with his wife. That's, and now he's back in space where apparently he belongs. So there you go. So Tom, you can spew, spew a little hate and then we'll move on to the next person. Go ahead. It's not worth the time. <laughs> I love it. Substandard MC, you know, definitely the worst of the MCU TV shows. And if this is any indication of how phase five is going to go, Bob Iger better be worried. <laughs> he is. He is worried, which is he why he should be. Yeah. Because the movies have not been firing on all cylinders and it's just, it's bad. A waste of really amazing talent too. Yeah, this is good. They had a good cast. Kingsley Benadare, wasted. Emilia Clark, Khaleesi, eh. Ooh, she's a super scroll now. (laughs) No. All right, Uh, Allison. Yeah, I don't have that much to add. I was, I, I didn't hate it with fiery passion, but it bored me. And yeah, so it bored you with a fiery passion. Okay, that's pretty much it. You know, and and there were constantly things happening that didn't make logical sense that they did clearly just were it was sloppy writing and, and they were trying to create tension by intercutting what's going on in the hospital what was going on in the facility with sam jackson's yeah, character like they were trying to create tension by doing all those intercuts but then when you find out what's really going on all that tension goes away like yeah yeah, that's. I mean, it just. Uh, I'm sorry, it just didn't. It didn't do anything for me. Even the relationship between uh, Sam Jackson and his wife, um, considering that he only saw her in her scroll form, like in that last scene, and apparently has been with her years, and she's never taken her, her real form, is weird to me. Um, yes. I mean, what kind of what kind of a relationship is that? So yeah. Well, that that was kind of her point. That it, was her it point. Was, 
still it's it doesn't it doesn't speak for a healthy relationship you know i mean they did not have a healthy relationship as evidenced by them trying to kill each other at one point well yeah i mean they would if he'd been ordered to but still um it's it's just not it none of it worked for me and it was it was poorly conceived poorly written it felt like they had this concept i know it's based on an actual comic series which they didn't do um, I, is that it? Because it, it just, yeah, because like in the premise, the first of all, the premise of it in secret invasion, it is literally a secret invasion. And it's kind of like the body is supposed to be like the body snatchers where you don't know who the scroll is. You don't know who's a good guy. You can't trust anybody. And the thing that they did here was the opposite of that, which is they tell us who all the scrolls are. We, as the audience know all the scrolls. So there is no tension of wondering, is this guy a scroll? Is that guy a scroll? Is that guy? Like, we and, don't and have that. And that is really the root of, of a story like this. As far as the tension is concerned, it's that paranoia of Correct. not knowing who is who. And it's the body they pretty much did the story without the paranoia, which makes no sense. They, yeah. did, the ba- they did the same story, which is you, you're infiltrated by scrolls, but then they tell you who all the scrolls are. Mm-hmm. So that like they have a scroll meeting and we see everybody in the room who are all scrolls and we're like, okay, here are all the scrolls are versus in the comic book, you could be working beside somebody and wonder if that person is a scroll and is going to kill you at any moment. So that's where the tension came from. And they also, the superheroes were being replaced. So it could be Spider-Man's a scroll or Iron Man's a scroll. You don't know. And, and they didn't do that this time because they didn't want to bring down any of the superheroes. They wanted to make it all and they didn't just... didn't kind of budget. Well, that's true too. But they also wanted to make it all like no superheroes, which I get, and that's fine. But they could have done it in a way with that same paranoia. They still could have kept that paranoia going. And they didn't do that. So it's just a weird choice. And without that paranoia, you don't have what made that story interesting. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. There's not enough to talk about. Uh, so next up, we're going to talk about Foundation. And uh, la- I think it was two years ago was season one. And that was the year that I declared it was my number one show of the year. And this year, season two, they, they literally leave off exactly where they left. I mean, it picks up where they left off last year, which is... You have Salvor and Gale stuck on this uh, water planet, and it's 120, 30 years past the last things that we saw. And so I remember in season one when it ended, I was like, how the heck are they going to get off that planet? And I like that in, in the first episode, their, their first thing is they're like, huh, how the heck are we going to get off this planet? And so that becomes the... The thing they got to fix the boat they got to go underwater do a thing and also we get to see what empire is like 120 years later uh with their genetic drifts because they are no longer perfect clones and they have oh, to right. like they have to like have classes to teach them to be the perfect clone and they have like watchers to watch them now and the big deal is that uh day has decided to end the clone dynasty and get married and have children. Um, which in theory 
will knock off Harry Seldon's whole, his entire premise of why Empire was going to fall was because they were cloning and they were the same person and they had, they had no evolution of character. But in theory, if, if Day does what he wants, then it should actually not necessarily, Empire should not necessarily have to fall. I mean, based on that, I guess. It's one That's thing what I was, I was thinking. thinking. That yeah. confused me actually, because then I was like, "Well, does that, doesn't that mean the show ends?" I was like, <laughs> "Well, that's assuming that that Day can get out of his own way and actually do and not sleep with his faux mother so much, which is the creepiest thing ever." Because if you think about it, Robot has basically—I forget what her name is—she's basically raised him from a child to now, and she's the only woman he's ever slept with. That is the, that, what? How is that okay? Like, there are so many things wrong. And I like the Dusk is totally creeped out by it. He's like, why are you sleeping with her? You should really stop doing that. That's so weird. And I like the Dusk is, uh, does not like it. Uh, I would not like it either. Um, and then there's, that's the two storylines. Getting off the story. What's the other one? Oh, and then you want to know what's going on on Terminus. And Terminus, after 120 years, think of themselves as superior now. And they've got their, they've got people who are leading them who are super arrogant and think that they know more than Harry a little bit. Like, they kind of have this thing where they're like, well, we're doing the plan like it's supposed to be. So we're at the top of the world, I guess. I'm going to let you talk. Yusin, what did you think? Um, yeah, you know, I didn't like... I didn't love the show as much as you did, but I very much loved the show. I mean, I, I very much, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the show very much. Um, so I was looking forward to it coming back, but I was curious to see what direction they were going to go in. Um, and it feels like the same show, but maybe not a little bit the same show. And that's okay. That's not a complaint, just more of an observation. Um, the show the first season seemed a little like, I don't know how lyrical and sort of poetic and, and kind of stoic. Um, and this show, this season, the show seems much more um, grounded and like the, the, we've got the monks, we've got the older guy who's the, the, um, the uh, 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 alcoholic drug substance abuse, you know, abuse guy. And then the youthful woman, um, acolyte who is just super faith- faithful um, and really believes, you know, and so they're very earthy. The characters are very earthy. The Their dialogue is very earthy. They're kind of funny, sort of a bit of comic relief. And at first I'm, I'm you know, I'm not 100% sure how much I, I'm loving them, uh, you know, but I, I appreciate the different beats and I, d- I appreciate the different kind of um, viewpoint they're bringing. So I'm waiting to kind of see how uh, they kind of evolve. But um, so it's well, different. I mean, one thing I will like to mention is the monks are basically from Terminus and they're going to these outer reach planets and pretending that they're magicians. Yes. And they're showing off technology as magic to get people to believe in Harry Seldon, which is seems to me not a good thing. No, it's very disingenuous. Yeah, I was just like, no, no, no about that. I, um, but they're, go ahead. Yeah, they seem like they're charlatans. And you're kind yes. of wondering, are we pro these people or not 
these people. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm, we're, I'm still kind of uh, trying to debate whether or not I'm going to actually like these characters or like them in the show, or are we supposed to like them? Are they good people? She seems genuine. She's, I think she's genuinely a good person. Yes. Yeah. She, she seems like she genuinely believes what she's, he seems more disillusioned and sort of, you know, I don't know. He's been at it too long kind of a thing. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention before we move on, which is Harry Seldon being an AI locked inside the orb thing. What is that thing called? The prime, the, the prime, the prime, prime, not directive, but you know what I mean? Uh, the prime radiance. There you go. So he's locked inside of there losing his mind. Cause for the last hundred years, he's been conscious, right. but inside. And so it drove him, drove him completely crazy and so when they're trying to get control of the ship, he takes over the ship and he's like, I will kill you all. Cause he's totally nuts now. Right. Um, but he slowly kind of comes back and him and um, Gail really go at it because he's like, you did this to torture me. You did it on purpose. And she's like, no, nah, I totally forgot you're going to be conscious, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that. it's, and it's that. really cool. I like the mother daughter aspect of the show as well, because the daughter is like five to 10 years older than her mom, which is really weird. Um, and she's been looking forward her whole life to like, meeting her mom and so she's got these expectations of what it is to meet her and it's not there so i like all of that as well so they're doing a really good job of that there's a lot going on there's just so many moving pieces there are so many moving pieces there are so many moving characters there are so many plot things i mean there's a lot um and uh and interestingly they're not it's not overwhelming and it's not messy. Like, you know, for some reason I feel like I'm able to kind of um, the way that they've shot it and the pacing and everything, it's not slow is not the word, but it's, and it's not even leisurely. My, my point is it's, it's just well done. It's managing a lot of juggling, a lot of balls in the air without it making it seem like they're all over the place and they don't know what they're doing or that there's too much going on. Uh, They're just kind of, one thing we forgot is the vision of the future. We forgot the vision of the future. Oh gosh, exactly. There's even even that. Even yeah, it's weird because you, you. If I'm detailing, if we're detailing all of the different plot points and we're detailing all of the different characters and stuff, it just really does seem like there's too much. But there's even um, they introduce uh, the uh, idea of uh, of of Salvo dying a uh, hundred years into. Well, the basically, future. They, the whole the whole thing is that because. Uh, Gail can see the future and Salvo can see the past. Those right. are their abilities. And so right. Gail had a vision of the future, a hundred and whatever years in the future. And she saw Salvo dying in a huge battle. And apparently they some kind of way jump a hundred years in the future to have that battle. And her whole objective now is to figure out a way to save her daughter. So right. I like that. That was a nice, good aspect. All right, well, yeah. let's move on. Uh, next so up, we're gonna talk- going to talk. There's a lot going on. Let's move on to uh, The Witcher. And now we're up to episode three and four of The Witcher. Um, Tom, Allison, do you, either one of you guys want to talk about that? Sure. So, Tom, you just saw it. It's always to be fresh. I saw episode three. Uh, it's. I'm still having issues with season three. They started with... They start the episode with, you know, the main players split up. Basically, the boys and the girls. Yes. So, uh, so Geralt and Yaskier 
and Siri and um, why am I forgetting your name? Um, Jennifer. Jennifer. And Jennifer. So, and the stuff with the the stuff with the idiot king and his his uh, his younger brother who seems to be making who made goo goo eyes at Yasuke a couple episodes ago, and then the advisor and his and his witch collaborator. I will say there's too many, there's too much politics going on. I can't keep track of who is who and yeah. who's doing what and who wants it's to like, kill dude, who. This isn't Game of Thrones. Don't try to be Game of Thrones. And the thing is, Graham McTavish is from Game of Thrones. So I'm like, you're trying to do all this politics I don't care about. And yeah. hey, you get a you get a head-shaped box. I wonder what's inside. <laughs> the wife, the queen's head. I'm just like, yeah, nah, dog. And I don't know. It just seems and I, I, I can't. I, I seriously cannot remember who is doing what. Like I genuinely. I don't care. Don't, that's the big problem. Well, that's I don't true care too. About these people. That is also true. So, uh, and, and when we meet Geralt's friend, the the former monster, were creature, whatever that he healed, and he said, "This necklace keeps me from." Tur-. It's like you know, somebody's going to come and snatch. Take the like, necklace off, right? These things write themselves. No wonder he didn't travel. No wonder he quit the show. It's like write better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Allison. Um. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually a little bit um lost because I thought we were going to be talking about the final three. Um. Which episode are we talking about now? <laughs> Episodes three and four. Episodes three and four. It's before episode four ends right before the big conclave. Like it's the episode four ends with all the different pairings going, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to do the thing. And it was like all these different conversations. And then they walk into the party and that's the end of episode four. Okay. So this is all the lead up to that. Yes. Um, so yeah, and that that also included the fight with the the uh, elves at the ruin. Uh, not the elves at the ruin. What it included is that guy killing his best friend. Um, I almost oh, said right. Stephen Amell, the other Amell. Uh, he gets his throat slit or whatever by his Robbie best Rob. Yes, I said the other Amell. I totally said that. <laughs> he gets his he gets stabbed by his quote friend uh that that happened then okay and i actually liked his character except that he was doing a weird batman voice i was like dude what are you doing um which one amel yeah he was doing this whole batman voice he was like making his voice all deep i'm making my voice low and gravelly (laughs) yes he was doing that and i was just like what are you doing man we know what your voice sounds like it's ridiculous um but then he got stabbed and died so sad um anyway it's all built up to this big conclave which apparently all these machinations are going to happen and you're right i don't particularly care about that the witcher's not using his sword and chopping people up what like why are we watching this and really the story should be about yennefer siri and Geralt. that's it yasker can tag along you know he's he's allowed to tag along but all the stuff with all the other politicians is just not engaging. And Yaskier is a sidekick. No major plot lines required, dude. <laughs> I will have to say um, there's a scene where they're all back together in episode four and um, 
uh, Yennefer and, and Geralt are having a conversation and you have Yaskier and Siri watching them and they're like reconciling and they're doing the voices. They're like, oh, Geralt, how could you? How could you betray me in such a way? And like, that was hilarious. Them making up the dialogue for their conversation was way better than us actually being in the conversation, listening to them make up. I thought that was grade A storytelling right there. Um, that's probably the only place I would say that the storytelling was grade A. And the fact that Allison can't remember anything is... <laughs> it was it was weeks ago. I, I'm sorry. I, th- I thought that we, we'd moved on from there. I'd completely forgotten. Um, I did like those episodes. I liked the whole thing on the ship when uh, Sarah yes. has to prove herself and her, her mad witcher skills. Um, with a really well done monster, by the way, um, they they really do kind of excel this year as far as the creepiness of the monsters that they're presenting. Um, but uh, so all of that that was a that was good. But uh, yeah, all I, I have to say too that the politics kind of leave me cold, and this season is all about the politics, and and that kind of drags it down a little bit. Well, like I, like I think that's what Tom is saying. He understands why Henry Cavill's like, peace out. Because, I mean, he's, he's, not using, he's not using his sword. He's not using his powers. He's not, like, if the story is not about the three main characters, what are we doing? So, all right, let's wrap that up. I have nothing further to say. Um, next up, we're going to talk what we do in the shadows. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Tom apparently is laughing just by saying the title. I like the first episode better than the second one. Um, Because Colin Robinson sucked all the energy from her when she was watching episode 504. Exactly. That is exactly what happened. I do not like Colin Robinson. But let's talk about the episode that happened before, before before I go into my Colin Robinson diatribe. Uh, what the heck happened in the episode before? That was uh, the, the neighbors running for comptroller. Oh, right. Recruits them for a gay parade. <laughs> oh, and then Nandor goes to the moon. Or he goes into outer space. goes to outer space. Sorry. And he did all of that to impress Guillermo because yes. he felt that Guillermo wasn't spending much time with him. But I have to say Guillermo and Land and, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, it was the L. Nandor. Not Nandor, no, the other one. Laszlo. Laszlo. So I really like Guillermo and Laszlo teaming up, trying to figure out why he's not a full vampire. He had the little tiny bat wings on his back, and it's so cute. <laughs> How about the uh, stuff with Nadia and her doll? <laughs> I didn't care about any of that. Yeah, oh, I thought it was because you knew that she didn't want, she wasn't going to want to switch back. I know, but I, I don't. Care. That was you some of the most. But you didn't mind because of what they yeah. did with it. Yeah. Oh, that was that was disturbingly perverse. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, yeah, so was... to the end, and they had one head on the back of the other head, and oh, that was just that was gross. yeah, it was cray cray. It completely yeah. was. in a good that way. Was. But my favorite story was Guillermo. And Laszlo, that was by far the best one. And I really did like uh, Nandor going to space. That was pretty great. Nandor in In space. space. And all of their gay jokes were just like, oh, God. Like, dude, what are you guys doing? I love the T-shirt. Hey, I'm being gay over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I like that episode a lot more than the next one. So, 
Um, I really like the show at this point. It has completely gone off the rails. Like, it is 100% just doesn't care anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, you know, little to no plot. I mean, there is the plot of, and I love the plot, of Guillermo being some sort of weird half-vampire, you know? Some slowly <laughs> evolving, you know, pathetic version, Guillermo version of a vampire. Poor thing. Poor thing. A poor baby. Um, nah, but, like, it's just, I, I would love to be in the writer's room at this point, you know, where they're just all just laughing their asses off, you know, and just be like, oh, wait, let's do this. No, but we could try this. And that's I, that's how I feel like I'm watching the show now. They just literally don't care. They're just like whatever they first come to the, you know, the top of their heads and they're like one-upping themselves with it. Um, so it's just a free-for-all. I just turn it on and I'm just like, what are they going to show me now? And I think because the show has been on the air for so long, um, I think they're actually letting them get away with some stuff that maybe they might not have let them get away with at first because that last scene uh, with, I think this is where Allison was going, I thought, with uh, the doll and Colin Robinson and Laszlo. It was too much. It's too much. I literally was like, okay then let's i was like all righty i was like we went there we went there and then and then you know obviously it was just a quick 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 you know kind of a thing but yeah they just don't care anymore so i'm i'm with them i'm just riding along you guys can talk about the next episode i'll let uh tom talk about colin robinson episode since he seemed to have loved it and i i poo-pooed it i just thought meeting you know the fact that the the fact that the neighbor gets disqualified for running for comptroller because who knew if you had nine DUIs that was too much. <laughs> I think the limit. So is Colin great. Robinson decides to run because it's a great opportunity to get in front of an audience and suck people's energy, and so he ends up going back to his ex girlfriend who's an emotional vampire, and so the two of them are just having a field day. Then they get kidnapped by the energy vampires council or whatever <laughs> so i just thought i thought i just thought it was kind of a fun satire of local politics and the fact that he ends up exposing himself on a web on a web, a, a live stream and so she pleads her case and ends up running taking his place and then wins because <laughs> so few people voted at her support group i just thought I just thought it was a fun send-up of local politics. And the stuff with Guillermo trying to figure out what the frick's going on with himself and uh, Laszlo and Nadia in the the bar with the Greek family. <laughs> My husband, the pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, she said, he's like, he oh, so he got proud. dropped on his head. She said he got dropped on his head a lot as a baby. That's why he was so dumb. But Allison, you you talk. What did you like about the episode? I, I, I thought the whole episode was hilarious. Uh, you know, the whole thing of, uh, as, as Tom was saying, it's a, it's a send-up of, of local politics and bureaucracy. And just that whole excruciating scene in front of the council where they're trying to, like, set up a, an audiovisual presentation. And it's like, no, you have it backwards. No, it's the other. And, I, I mean, it just it went on and on. It's like every bad meeting you've ever been in in your life. Mm-hmm compounded by a thousand um but i also love the stuff that, that that was going on with nandor trying to find a new friend and he ends up with alexander the jew 
Um, <laughs> I don't think you should call him that. Um, it's just it was it was hilarious. He's using Yiddish like every other word to 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 demonstrate that he's friends with this guy. We are mishpucha now, you know, and like all of that. I thought I just thought that was absolutely fantastic and just bizarre. And he needed to get a to get himself circumcised. He thought to be friends with this guy. And all of that was just completely... And then he forgot that he was a vampire and that he was going to heal, so he got circumcised for nothing? So he just basically exposed himself to the guy, you know? It's like, ah! All of of that was just hilarious. I thought it was a great episode. All right, well, we're going to say thumbs up-ish for me for the second one. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And we have the, the... the cross, yes, crossover. Crossover episode. Uh, which I got to see at Comic-Con with 6,000 of my closest friends. Well, that, that room was not completely full. <laughs> was it? Oh, where I was sitting, I thought it was full. No, there was, was a lot of space in the back. <laughs> All right. Well, 4,000 of my favorite friends. Sorry. And actually, you were in the room. So we were actually both in the same room. There we go. I know. A couple uh, of times. <laughs> Uh, so that episode was one, it was really great to watch with an audience, with a crowd. That was really fantastic. It was so funny and it does help if you've seen both shows, but I don't know if you need to have seen both shows to really enjoy it. Um, just the whole premise that going through the portal made him, uh, live action and going back through the portal made him back into a cartoon. So we got to have Boimler basically be us as an audience, fangirl or fanboy, all over uh, Christopher Pike and the crew and Spock and all of them. It was it was really good. I think like uh, I talked to one of my friends and he said if something crazy like that happened and he went and ended up in a universe where Star Trek was real, he was like, yeah, he'd be Boimler. He was like, he would be that same guy. And I really loved his first reaction was uh, computer in program. Because I was like, yeah, it's about, about what <laughs> I was And then he pokes Pike. And I was like, but if it was a hologram, you could still poke them. But whatever. I mean, You're all of that realistic. was just... I, I, <laughs> You're right. I thought the beginning of the episode was real Because I've watched it now twice. So the beginning, the beginning is really, really strong. The middle, it has a saggy middle. That really slows down a lot more than I thought originally. And then the end, it ends really well. So, uh, but in the moment when I was watching it the first time, it didn't feel like a saggy middle. I just really enjoyed it. I love just the bit with uh, number one and thinking that there was some weird pinup of her somewhere and uh, finding out, no, she's just like a hero. And he had her in his locker because she was his hero. So all of that was just really sweet and good. So Tom, real quick, go ahead. Loved it. Saw it. Uh, saw it a second time when I got home, so I can see it in you know in four K, seven point one sound. Yes, but yes, all of that's good. But did you like the episode? No, it's it's a great episode. Okay. Uh, I, I want to just I want to just jump in because I have to jump out. Um, okay. I um I know we're talking about episode one. I mean the episode the crossover crossover um i think this is a nice um reminder uh like you said i don't think you had to have watched um 
the 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 lower decks you know what i mean but it's a, this is a great plug for people who haven't watched lower decks they should watch lower decks um i thought it was really interesting and fun for me to see how they were gonna you know i it i mean they use the actual voice actors obviously so i mean those are who they are um and so i was really curious because i didn't know who uh who the um mariner yeah mariner who who, who knew some yeah, I didn't know who she was. So it was fun for me to see who that, you know, who that actor was. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I thought the episode was really fun. Um, and it was uh, a, a sort of a good little plug to the Lower Decks as well. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy the season. I think I enjoyed season one I've, I'm enjoying, I enjoyed season one better than I'm enjoying season two. But the reason I bring it up is because for me, this episode was one of the stronger ones of the season. Uh, maybe a little bit because of the fun factor, um, which maybe isn't fair. You know, it's a little bit of a gimmick. Um, but uh, yeah, I really did enjoy this episode a lot versus some of the other episodes. I've been a little bit, mm, I don't know if bored is the right word, but just less invested. Um, you know, and these are very much one-offs, a lot of the this whole season. I mean, this not completely, um, but this one was definitely, to me, just a fun kind of trip, you know, off the planet sort of kind of thing. Okay, somebody else go. All right, uh, Allison, your thoughts real quick before we move on? Uh, well, I, I saw it at home, and um, obviously uh, I didn't have the audience input, and I still thought it was, it was just hugely entertaining and really funny and fun. Um, I don't think people would have gotten that much out of it. Uh, well, I mean, I won't say they w- won't have gotten much, but they would have missed a lot if they haven't seen Lower Decks. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a, a lot of like inside jokes and the way the characters relate to each other and things like that that you just wouldn't have gotten um, without knowing who they are, where they come from, you know, what they are like in their own show. And so um, as, as, as Yusin pointed out, that's a great advertisement to, to watch Lower Decks because it's hilarious, it's a great show. Um, but yeah, I think, I think people would have missed it. For those of us who have seen it though, um, I, I loved all the little callbacks and things like that, that they did to the show. I love Jack Quaid's version of, of Boimler's Boimler. run down the hallway. <laughs> awesome. Um, just the body language was fantastic. And I, I, I would love to see them do this again. You know, I mean, if it's not completely repeating themselves because the, the two of them in live action are fantastic to watch. I, I love them as characters. I love seeing them interact with the, the rest of the characters on the show. So yeah, this was, this was just a great fun episode. And it's nice to see that this show is just willing to go in places like that. Um, and Speaking as we know, of going, go ahead. Yes, they're, they're, they're clearly going to be going to a place exactly as weird in in about two episodes or i think no i think the next episode actually yeah um, they're doing the their musical version the musical but i i love that that they are willing to to just say yeah let's just do this because it's fun so speaking of different tones because i was trying to use your comment as a segue uh to the next episode which was probably the most serious episode they've ever Dark, done baby yeah and i loved it as much as i loved the crossover and it made me laugh hysterically this episode i loved for very different reasons but also just i was really impressed that they went this dark like star trek normally does not do this 
and I really like what they did. And that moment at the end of the episode, or towards the end of the episode, where he's, you know, they have the fight behind the plexiglass, you can't quite see it, and the nurse comes in, and there's like a dead dude on the ground. I was like, so how are you guys going to bury the body? Like, I was like, I was thinking... They're in a, I was like, okay, they're in a medical bay. They can maybe beam the body into space. But like, I was like doing that in my head, and I have to give them even more credit because the doc was even even baller than I thought. He was like, yeah, kill that dude. So what? And I was just like, wow, wow. Ooh, okay. It would be hard to explain that he just kind of disappeared since he is I the mean, ambassador. if you have him, yeah, but I don't know, man. He went I just, for a walk out in space. Uh, but yeah, he was just like, oh, he attacked me. And I, and I would trip me out as he, they basically used kind of a racist trope to explain it. They were like, oh, he's a Klingon. He lost his temper and attacked me for no reason. That's all they say. There's no, there's, and, and everybody's like, well, he was a Klingon. So I guess he did it. Like there, and there's no investigation really like into it. They just use that as, and I'm 90% sure that. The doctor just straight up murdered that dude. Oh, of course he like, did. Well, they, they left it quasi-nebulous. Not that quasi. Yeah, but there, there's a little wiggle room. What what I'm interested in is I, I've seen some comments on Twitter, ugh, mistake, and also on uh, on Facebook, and we, we need a little clarity. What the doctor did during the war is not a war crime. In war, you kill the enemy. And... If that had been during World War II or Vietnam or anywhere else, he would have gotten a Medal of Honor because he took out a whole bunch of enemy combatants. Only thing is he did it without orders. That's the only thing that... During wartime, the enemy is the enemy. And if you get a chance to kill them, you do. He was also helping his his people to evacuate by trying to get... Yeah, he was distracting them. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, I, mean, I, it's, I didn't have a problem. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I interrupted. Allison, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I, I think, you know, it's it, while he certainly would not have been uh, accused of a war crime, and I don't think what he did was a war crime, it, it also left him with PTSD. He's got real right. trauma. He and, and Nurse Chapel and probably everyone who was involved in that is carrying around a big weight from, from their experiences. And, and, you know, they've seen more than their fair share of trauma as a result of what, what happened. So I think that this was not just about, um, you know, war crimes, um, particularly as committed by, by this guy, because that's the reason that the doctor killed him, was because he was a war criminal being allowed to just wander around and act like a, an ambassador of peace. Um, but also PTSD and the, the cost of war, what it does to people psychologically. And I think that they they addressed that in a very strong, very powerful way with this particular yep. episode. And um, and uh, a uh, a fellow veteran who I met through a group in L.A. consulted on this episode. He's the showrunner's assistant for uh, for Section Thirty One, and uh, Davy Perez, the writer, named a character after him that's uh, see, that's seen in the background. So I mean. For Trek, which was birthed during the Cold War, and so the analogs were, especially Vietnam, and considering what we've just gone through in our country, I thought this was a very a very salient reminder of the cost of war, because I have friends 
who've been in combat, who don't sleep at night, who have had spouses tell them either get to counseling or we're done. So to show that, you know, the, the chapel and Mbinga and also to a lesser extent Ortegas as, as veterans of the Klingon war, they've got some serious baggage and especially chapel and Mbinga. So well, and I, I also, I, I like the fact that going with that is that command would dare to give them an order without like acknowledging their trauma, you know? Oh, dude. The, the military, there is a phrase, the needs of the Navy, they don't care. Seriously, they do not care. You know, my ship was not supposed to pl- deploy to the Persian Gulf three summers in a row because it violated op temper. How often you're supposed to deploy? Oh, we've deployed three years in a row. How I spent my summer non-vacation. My sister should have retired the month she turned 62 like my dad did. She was held over until... She didn't retire till December rather than February because she was stationed in in Guam. They don't care. It's needs of the needs of the Navy, needs of Starfleet above any of your petty personal, personal issues. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel some, uh, some some tension. All right, well let's move on. But I mean I agree with your with your comment because it did show that the cost, the, the, cost the, after, the cost of war and the aftermath it takes on people. Yep. All right, next up, we're going to talk Good Omens. And uh, the first two episodes I thought were hilarious. I mean, I they, they t- I think it's a time jump of how many years? Like three, four years, something like that, Allison? About three years, I think, yeah. Yeah, so it was a nice time jump that happened. Uh, but their friendship is good as we've ever seen it. But both of them are outcasts from heaven and hell, but they're allowed to exist. And I like that they show what that existence looks existence looks like before they dump Gabriel on them, who is hilarious with his amnesia. His amnesia is really funny because they're like, he's like, I'd like to organize your books in alphabetical order. And he's like, by author? He's like, no, by the first sentence. (laughs) (laughs) And then watching him organize those books. And like every book begins with it. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. So yeah. Uh, you noticed that one of the books was Good Omens? Oh, I did not notice that. That's pretty good. I did not see that. I just thought that John Hamm is doing such a good job of just being this clueless guy. Um, that I mean, he's like, he's like, oh, my name is Gabriel but it's going to be Jim, which is short for James, which is short for Gabriel. Like all of that, all of the humor and the layers of it just really just made me happy. It, it really made me miss this show. And I'm just along for the ride and I don't even care how the stories are told right now. I just really enjoy these guys and watching them be best friends through all of eternity. And well, I don't think, I don't, were we supposed to know that, uh, Whatever the demon's name is, Tenet's character. Raleigh. Raleigh. Were we supposed to know he was an angel back before he became a demon? Yeah. That's no, well, yes and no. They they refer they they do reference that, but in the book in the in, in the book, he the first time that they meet is in the Garden of Eden, and he's a snake. and he's already a demon, right? Himself, craw, you know, crawly. Crawly. Yeah, and they retcon that, and it's it's not it doesn't 
really, you know, con it doesn't really conflict with it. But they added like, oh, they but they met when they were both angels, and of course Crawley doesn't remember any of that. But um, that's when they they really really originally met. Um, okay, I thought that was cute. I thought that was a little cute scene at the beginning of the universe. I thought that was. He yeah, was like, well, why did they put Earth in the center so at least they can enjoy the view? <laughs> All of that was really cute. Um, and Yusin, uh, 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 you, you, go ahead. I just wanted to jump in by saying um, I uh, didn't get to see episode two, but I can speak strongly about episode one because um, you guys were chatting about, before I saw it, you guys were chatting about the apology dance. Uh, and I was like, what are they talking about? And then, so it was a little spoiled for me, but it really wasn't spoiled for me because um, <laughs> it, it, really it, it, it just needs to be seen. You can, you can, um, no, it was great. It was totally um, indicative of why I love the show. Um, I, I'm with you, uh, uh, Libya. I don't have to say much about the episode. You guys can go on to it. The show is just joyful. I mean, it's, you know, it's the, they are two men, uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant doing what they do just fantastically. They are just eating up the screen, um, but they're doing it in a way that I don't think is like too broad or caricaturish, you know, but they just, they're loving it and I'm loving them watching. I love loving them. Uh, so the, the energy of the show, it's, it's so funny, the beats, the writing, the look of the show, um, you know, I've always lo loved the kind of angel devil kind of lore. And, you know, I mean, it's not lore for some people. So, you know, um, the but I, I, I'm interested in that, the the, the the world, you know, of it. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's just an incredibly fun show. I'm so happy the show is back. It took me a moment to kind of remember and to even sort of get back into it. There is a little bit of a rhythm of the show because um, uh, it is a little wacky. So it took me, I don't know, like maybe five or 10 minutes, but then I just kind of settled in and I was like, ah, oh, that's right. This is the ride that I signed up for. Um, and so really enjoying the show and, you know, I'm sure I'll love the season. The last thing I want to say though, really quickly uh, is I want to drop this bomb and run out of the room. Um, I was reading a whole thing on Twitter from, from Neil Gaiman. Like this was not, oh, people were discussing on Twitter. It's a romance. He wrote the second season. He wrote uh, the those two are. It's definitely, always been a romance. Season yeah, one was no, a romance no. too. Yes, no, no. I just mean, but you called them best friends. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right, but let's they're best friends, but let's be let's be real. It's a romance, and so I love that about <laughs> the show. Do you know what I mean? I do. I'm just saying. All right. Anyway, somebody else talk. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom, your thoughts. I. I think John Hamm is one of he's such a great comic actor, and it's a shame that nobody has written him a fantastic romantic comedy yet. Oh, so true, so true. Because the first time he hosted SNL, he killed. Um, I like part. I I liked episode one better than episode two. Uh, episode two kind of uses the <clears throat> the Book of Job as a framing device, except for their take on the Book of Job, and I just thought that you know and. Book of Job is one of my favorite books in the Bible. However, comma, it didn't have anything to do with the story about what's going on with Gabriel. So I, I just thought it was like, you know, this is fun, but what's going on with Gabriel? Because that's really... I think, but I actually think it does because it shows you the contrast of what Gabriel used to be like and what he's like. Sufferable prig. <laughs> yes. And I, so I think it is important to see 
Like when he's talking about, oh, we'll just replace him with 50 more goats and we'll just give him double the children and we'll just, they're like, wait, new children first? You're going to, they were like, yeah, new children, doesn't make a difference. Like, and they fooled him because he thought that he knew how human birth was. He's like, oh yeah, the rib thing, that totally makes sense. I saw it before. Like seeing, <laughs> seeing what he was like, I think that was really the point is to see what Gabriel was like before he lost his memory. So I a little bit disagree with you on that. I did think it was funny that the spell that Crowley and Aziraphale worked on, it sort of kind of worked, but what it really <laughs> did was the people from the, the people, the other angels can't figure out that this apparent mortal is Gabriel, even Gabriel, though right. he says, uh, some people call me Gabriel and they're just yeah. like, do 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 do. Well, I mean, that was what the spell was supposed to be, make it so that nobody would notice him. So that part worked, except that they made it so big that they <laughs> brought notice to themselves. They brought notice to themselves. So, right. yeah, it's, you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I am too. Uh, Allison? Yeah, I, I love, this, especially the first two episodes, I think, are, are some of the funniest stuff. In, in the series and um, the like the dance, you know, the apology dance. And I, I thought the whole uh, book of Job thing was hilarious, probably in part because I think when I was a little kid and I read that story, I was morally appalled by every yeah. part of it. And so seeing this, this actually highlighted that way was kind of nice to see. It's like, yes, it's all the ethical and moral problems that, that I've always had with this particular tale. So, um, and they did it in the, in this just insane way. I mean, the way that Crawley saying, yes, I'm a shoemaker and an obstetrician. <laughs> 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 and this is absolutely how humans have babies. Um, that, that was just, I mean, absolutely gold. I thought that was wonderful, but, but I think that the reason that most, most everyone likes this show so much is the chemistry between mm -hmm. uh, Tennant and Sheen. Um, the you know, I mean, they could read the phone book together, and they would be absolutely riveting to to see. Not only because they have this total commitment to their characters, which is not a, a a cartoonish kind of presentation. They really sort of become these people. Um, but also oh, did anybody catch the doctor, the fourth doctor? As yes, it's, it's, uh, Job's family actually is tenants. Um, you've got you've got tenants' father-in-law. Yeah, tenants' father-in-law is is Peter Davidson, aka the fifth doctor, playing Job. Oh, I said the fourth. Was he the fifth, fifth doctor? doctor? The fifth doctor was, he was a was fifth Tom doctor. And oh was, man, sorry, I apologize, nerds. And that's my Doctor Who. Um, and, uh, of course this, uh, Job's son was Tennant's stepson. Um, and so it's all in the family. If you're going to do nepotism, do it right. And this, this was <laughs> very, very right way of doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love the chemistry between the two characters. You know, I think that I, cause I remember when I read the book, they go a long way to try to convince you that this is just, you know, a bromance. This is not a romance. They, they don't even have the, the, the you know, ability to have, make this a, a romantic relationship. That's not how either of them are built. But I think they've, they've put that to the wayside for the show. And they've just gone for it. I and mean, the, the looks that Michael Sheen 
throws at Tenet's character, like the looks, he looks at him with absolute adoration. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. That, and, yes. and Sheen is just trying too hard to pretend like none of this is really actually happening. You know, no, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about. None of those <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, but I just love it. They're, they're wonderful together and they're wonderful even when they're talking about each other and, and all of that is just gold. All right. So let's wrap this up. I think we're saying thumbs up. Way up. Good omens. I'm checking it out. All right. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, leave them to me at campfirejournal.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, you can listen to us on Sci-Fi Radio, Six Degrees of Geek, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.